hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Good morning. I'd like to say it's great to be together, but this is this is our form of togetherness at the present time. Okay, so um, this morning I want to talk about why not to be friends, just by way of a change, because we've said so much about friends. Uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of promotion about friendship uh, in this church and actually in society at large. Um, everyone seems to think it's a good idea, uh, but to avoid kind of group thinking, let me argue the other side. Here are my top 10 reasons why not to be friends. Have I got your attention? Uh, have I slightly gone off my rocker? Well, let's see. Why not to be friends? Number one, being bur burnt in the past, so we won't want to try that again. I will, number two, I've always, I'm always trying with others, but no one seems to try with me. Number three, keep at arm's length. They might discover my weaknesses or how messed up I really am. Or they might just get on my case. Number four, I'm just not as good as others. Number five, do you know what? I'm better than them. Number six, I don't really need friends. Uh, I get my pastoral needs met from another function. Number seven, I can be there in an emergency. I'm just fine without actually having a friend. Number eight, it's, it's costly. Friendships can be awkward at the start, and then the cost only seems to increase from there on. You have to stick your neck out. Number nine, you have to work to become acceptable to people. You have to behave in a way that they want. Number 10, if you have to have a friend, let's just invest in one. Once I've got a special friend, I don't need to be prepared to share them or waste time with anyone I don't like very much. Yeah, I think I've convinced myself not to bother. Doesn't seem worth it. <clears throat> now, I suppose we might argue exaggeration by way of emphasis. But yeah, let's put that aside, because really, if probably for most of us, we kind of begin to think that way, there's something, or there should be something inside us that kind of arrests us and say, wait a minute, this, this can't be right. And to be honest, these thoughts I've just shared with you, they are pretty devastating if you enter with an expectation that isn't met. You know, we're conscious of the fact that in a community like this church, we can end up using the language and phrases when talking about a concept like friendship. But we have different things in mind. So I think it would be worth explaining what you have in your mind when you think about it. 
and you do have to think about it in order to really enter into what we're looking at and what we're talking about. So I'll help you. So we've talked about entering in with an expectation that isn't met. So let's think, what are you prepared to give in friendship? What do you expect to receive in friendship? What conditions do you have in place? If you do X, or if someone does X, I'll give Y. Or if I've spent A, I'll expect you to share B. There's a problem with all of that. And it's the problem that we find in the culture, in fact, in our fallen world. We tend to approach friendship from like a consumer basis. Essentially, what's in it for me? I'll pay the cost if the benefits or service from the community or the quality I get is what I demand. That's the culture of this world. It may seem that I'm kind of emphasizing it a little bit, but I think you can all recognize. And the danger is that we can, we can still have something of that culture in mind. So let's have a look at what it should be. In fact, let me just say that it is possible. I don't know about now, but I know that actually people were taught in the past in Bible colleges where they're going to emerge to be leaders. Uh, don't get too close to people. Don't, don't be too close. Keep a, like a professional distance. How far away is that from what God intended? How far away is that from what he exampled? Biblical friendship or supercharged friendship starts with my responsibility. When I was born again, God put a love in my heart which continues to grow and causes me to desire to, let me use the expression or the series of expressions that we've used many times before, that the outcome is much more focused on giving than receiving. We've used this phrase several times. If I'm your friend, if I'm giving to you, if I'm committed to you, and I'm committed to always place your interests equal or above my own, serve you and minister to your needs in any way I can. Never say or agree to things, even by keeping silent, behind your back, that should be being said to your face. Give the necessary time. If I'm your true friend, if I'm committed to you, if I'm living out a biblical friendship, then give the necessary time to hear your thoughts and concerns and be honest with you regarding any misgivings I might have about the direction that you're going. In other words, being loving you enough to risk the relationship in confrontation and disagreement. 
not to take advantage of your weaknesses. Hold and seek to, to, to work issues through when we don't agree. Leading to this, to consider your success, my success, and your failure, my failure. Now, I'm not going through this again. I'm not giving you this again, this definition, so that you do a kind of friendship audit and say he or she isn't really a friend, but to raise your expectation of how God is calling you to be a friend. So, so where does this lead to? Constantly, at this time, and the emphasis God has given us, we come back to say, Lord, we need you to do something fresh and increase in our heart. This is not something that can be achieved by effort. Of course, the key in the first place is being born again. The amazing thing when we're born again, Jesus, when Jesus reveals who he is, <coughs> and the Holy Spirit takes up his rightful place in us, we start to operate from a different life source. If anyone's in Christ, they're a new creature, a new creation. We're no longer bound by the cultures that we're familiar with or the attitudes that we had in the past. There's something new birthed into us. He puts his love in my heart. Suddenly, I have the capacity to think of others before myself. This is the transformation. This is what God does. I have the ability to love. I have a desire to actually do kind things for others. I'm enabled to sacrifice my preferences for others. This is about new birth. This is about new life. This is about the miracle that we sing about, that we rejoice in. In times past, uh, some of us have really appreciated some of the music from the late Keith Green. And they've used to, uh, from time to time, minister these songs to us. And I've asked him uh, this morning to, to minister again uh, one of those songs, which fits in so well to what we're talking about today. Uh, it's about what God does. You put your love, this love, in my heart. So let's just listen to Dave and let's just take in this wonderful song. Oh, yeah, it's a song from the past. But let's just take in and embrace the truth of what this declares. Thank you, Dave. Hard to believe someone like you cared for me. You put this love in my heart. I tried but could not refuse. You gave me no time to choose. You put this love in my heart. I wanna know where the bad feelings go when I'm depressed and I get down so low, and then I see you calling to me, and it's alright. 
I want to tell you right now, I'm not afraid to say how you put this love in my heart. There are some times when I doubt, but you always find me out. You put this love in my heart. Cause when I've seen all that you've done for me, it's hard to doubt, I just have to believe. Cause you follow my proving all your love. Well, I know the loneliness I had before is gone now. I'll never feel it anymore. Cause your loving has released me from all that's in my past. And I know I can't believe you when you say you'll never be forsaken. Your love is gonna last. I wanna tell you right now, you're not afraid to say how you put this love in my heart. There's so much more I could say if I could just find a way. You put this love in my heart. Cause when I've seen all that you've done for me, it's hard to doubt, I just have to believe. Cause you follow up, proving your love and it's all right. You put this love in my heart, you put this love in my heart, you put this love in my heart. You put this love in my heart, you put this love in my heart, you put this love in my heart. You put this love in my heart, you put this love in my heart, you put this love in my heart. You put this love in my heart. Thanks, Dave. This God is a supernatural God. God does something supernaturally in us. See, brothers and sisters, it's not about our ability to try or to work up. It's about living in what God has done. If you're born again, it isn't about meetings and songs. It's not about trying harder. And to be honest with you, if you don't have this sense of, of, of the love for God and the love for, for people there as a motivating force. Something's missing. And we have that opportunity not to kind of, oh, yeah, no, I don't know, but to receive from him. And this is the emphasis that God is bringing to us in these times. Come to me. Come to me. I will add to you. I will increase you. And if you don't know that experience, come uh, for the first time and receive that he transforms us so that we're not the same as we were and we're able to love with the love of God. You see, he does that so that he's able to say this to us in John 13, 34, a new command I give you. Not an option, not an idea. A new command I give you, to love one another. As I have loved you, 
so must you love one another. Brothers, that's, sisters, that's way beyond our ability. It's way out of the natural, way out of the culture, but this is what God calls us to, to a supernatural life. By this, by this, he says, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And over the years, up until this present day, I believe more than anything else that God has called us together to accurately express what he's like. Uh, how is that? All men will know you're my disciples when you love one another. And the love of God is very real and very practical. God delivers us from that self-absorption to be able to love and care for others. You know, we talk about close enough to know, love enough to care, and willing to pay the price. It's so different to this world. Let's just mention a couple of ways. The kind of reciprocation. This world says, I'll be generous if you're generous to me. Or if I'm faithful to you and you fail me, I won't relate in this way again. The Bible says, my God is my life source. He ensures I have everything I need. To Peter. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Comes back again. God has provided for us to live this way. He'll never leave me short, changed. If I give to you, but you don't give to me, that's a shame for you. But our and it's not the best way to develop friendship. I'm not left without, I'm not left self-depleted because he will also always supply my every need. This means I can afford to give myself wholeheartedly, not on the basis of what I'm getting back. Because actually this means there's a potential for deeper, more meaningful, more abandoned friendships because I'm not burdened, not burdening you to be my supplier. Then let's look at another thing, compatibility. This world says friendship is about what you get out of it. You don't want to have to change yourself too much to find someone who is compatible. That is, you won't convenience my lifestyle too much. They need to have the same likes and dislikes. You can purge your social media accounts if anyone holds a different opinion to you. I guess one of the benefits from the pandemic restrictions is that you haven't had to mix with people you'd rather avoid. Biblical friendship says if Christ is the center of your life, you don't need any other commonality. <clears throat> I want to read you something. Uh, I don't really have time to, to, to spend too long on it, so I'm going to ask you to just concentrate on this. This is D.A. Carson, the noted uh, evangelical theologian. The reason why there's so many exaltations in the New Testament for Christians to love other Christians is because the church itself is not made up of natural friends. It's made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, 
or anything else of that sort. Christians come together not because they form a natural collocation, but because they have all been saved by Jesus. Amen. All saved by Jesus. And owe him a common allegiance. In this light, we're a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. The only reason why the scripture I've just read makes sense, the new commandment I give to you, to love one another as I've loved you. Christian love will stand out and bear witness to Jesus because it's a display for his sake of mutual love among social incompatibles. See, the commonality, the, the thing that brings us together is a common allegiance to God to actually be obedient to him and to live by his power. Look at the example. You've got Simon the Zealot, basically a rebel, and Matthew the tax collector or a corroborator together as one in one place. What about the first church meeting in Philippi? Consider who was there for that. There was a middle-class businesswoman, Lydia, a blue-collar civil servant, the jailer, a slave fortune-teller, I guess equivalent to an inner-city crack-addicted prostitute. How different. But this is the wonder when the love of God is birthed in our hearts. <clears throat> Being part of born again, we are equipped supernaturally to love. To express this in real and practical ways listed in the Word of God, in community. In what we call biblical friendship in real ways. The capacity to love, the command to love, the ability to show what God is like. Let me say that again. God gives us the capacity. He puts his love in our hearts when we're born again. I'd say, if, if that's not there, you can't struggle to get it. Lord, there's something missing. Perhaps I've never had the depth of experience of meeting you. What God is saying to us in these times is it's not about working harder, trying harder, getting a system, but it's actually being refreshed by the power of the Holy Spirit so that something is stirred in our hearts, something which has to be expressed and has to be expressed in the way that God has said the capacity to love, the command to love, and the ability to show what God is like. If when you were born again, you didn't find this love in your heart, wow, I don't know what happened. But I do know what can happen now. We can come to him and say, Lord, I don't know. I can't analyze, but I know I hear your word. And I understand that by the power of your Spirit, at this time you are offering 
to bring me into a new place, a renewed place, where I see what you want me to see. I see through your eyes. I feel in the things that you want me to feel. I respond. I commit. Here is my life, Lord. I want you to put that love in me. Or maybe you did once know it more, and your heart is perhaps, hmm, there needs to be something stirred up. This is the time. This is the time that we now come to God and we ask him to do that. There's so much, so much we can teach around things. But the thing that God is saying to us this time is we need that encounter with him. So I've asked Rosie to come. She's going to come and minister a couple of well-known choruses, songs. You can join in or you can just listen. But the most important thing is that you identify and say, Lord, let this be for me. Change my heart. Lord, do something which only you can do. Grant, Lord, that touch of the Holy Spirit, that refreshing of your presence, that ability to enter into that place where, where something more than me is stirred and I'm motivated to be obedient command from within because it can never happen from without so lord we come to you at this time lord these these songs lord they're our prayers lord for some it's changed my heart lord for us all never Abba, Father, never let my heart grow cold. But Lord, at this time, we recognize that we need something from you. For some, Lord, never having experienced the reality of knowing you've put your love in their hearts. Lord, but for others, something that comes from you that stirs and motivates and transforms. So Lord, we just receive from you and we give you thanks. You are a faithful God. And Lord, can we just say one more time, Lord, we love you. Why? Because you first loved us. You gave yourself for us. Lord, wherever we are, will you make that ever more real, an ever greater revelation, an ever greater motivation, an ever greater determinant of how we respond, how we live and what we do. Because, Lord, there is a desire, and that desire is that we might be more like you. The desire, Lord, that you might be able to use us to demonstrate who you are as we love one another. For the glory of your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. 
We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities, and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk, or Twitter at lifelineuk. Thank you.